Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Seedmaster. Save up to $22.50 per acre on canola with the Seedmaster Ultra Pro 2 Individual Row Metering System. We talk to today's winner of the 620 CKRM Country Cookout. A farmer south of Regina, near the U.S. border, is expected to wrap up harvest within a week. The Minister of Agriculture says record frosty temperatures yesterday are not expected to cause any major crop damage. And in a second segment, David Merritt discusses the $64 million pasture land swap with the federal government. Real Agriculture talks with the new conservative agriculture critic nationally and provides some interesting background. Farm Credit Canada awards $1.5 million from its Community Agri-Spirit Fund. And we have a look at tips for livestock producers to ensure adequate winter feed supplies. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. And a good afternoon. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by JDL Commodities, proudly serving Saskatchewan agribusinesses for over 40 years. Looking to market your grain? Call JDL Commodities at 306-624-2378. A large family farm operation 175 kilometers south of Regina is today's winner in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest. Deirdre Young is today's winner of a big meal from Peg's Kitchen in Regina. Family members, including her husband Dan and father Doug and Lori Ashworth, farm about 15,000 acres. Doug Ashworth says his harvest is nearly done, and this week's frost will have little effect. Yeah, it froze uh, up to, uh, down to minus 3 to 4, but impact-wise, no, there will be no issues from it. How's harvest going? Good. We're probably right around that 90, 90 to 92% complete. And how do early yields look? They're good. We're not complaining about anything. The, I think the, I'd have to say the canola is a little bit lighter than we expected in some cases, but all in all, we're not complaining. The lentils were really good this year, probably above average, but yeah, no, we're happy. Describe the growing season for me. What was it like this year? It started out quite a wet season to start out with as far as seeding, and uh, it dried up quickly, and uh, after that we received adequate rains, but... It did become hot and dry in the later maturity of the canola, and I think it probably took a few bushels of yield. When do you hope to wrap up? Oh, we'll be done by this weekend. Other than the chickpeas, uh, there'll be another, you know, probably six, seven days. How do you best describe the markets? Well, it is what it is. It's, uh, I guess, we'll survive another year, put it that way. What impact has COVID had on the farm? Uh, really, I can't say it's been a, a, a big game-changer thing like that. It's You know, we're living in the rural areas, and uh, as far as transiting and back and forth into town, we just go in and do our thing and come back. We're just uh, hoping this thing, this COVID thing gets over quickly and we can, uh, you know, return to normal. Doug Ashworth operates Ashworth Agco, a family farm near Unger, about 175 kilometers south of Regina. They are today's winners in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest. 
Widespread frost in the Saskatchewan Grain Belt yesterday is not expected to cause significant crop damage. Environment Canada says temperatures dipped to minus 4.5 degrees in Regina, shattering a record of minus 3.3 set in 1898. The coldest was minus 9 at Coronac. Agriculture Minister David Merritt says most of the crop was ripe enough to avoid any major damage. Well, Jim, you know, I'm sure it's going to have an impact on some of the later seeded stuff, but I think for the most part, a lot of the crop was, uh, you know, was ripe and uh, ready for harvest in a lot of areas. Probably what's holding them up in some places is they've had rain and things like that. Uh, I, you know, in the southern part of the province, you know, harvest is rolling right along and it's, uh, everything seems to be, I, I haven't heard too many uh, farmers waiting uh, as far as for maturity side. So I think for the most part, the frost isn't going to have a big impact. It might, obviously it'll hit some of the, you know, there were some green heads and uh, some uh, shoots that came later and things like that. But uh, I think the impact is going to be neg- negligible for the biggest part of the province, Jim. So negligible for most crops. For for late maturing crops, what impact there? Well, it's obviously going to do a lot of, it's going to impact it uh, in, in just about all aspects, grading, weight, and things like that. Uh, you know, there might be some soybean crops that might have a, a an impact later uh, seeded soybeans. Uh, and things like that. But from the cereal side and the canola side, uh, you know, maybe if there's some green canola out there, it obviously will have an impact on that as well. In what way? Well, I think it's obviously going to do some quality uh, things and uh, and take the weight, some weight away from it. And uh, But the biggest thing would be quality uh, side of it where it could downgrade it uh, to some degree. But uh, from what I'm hearing around the province and a lot of the farmers I've talked to and even in my travels, um, you know, uh, just in the last couple of days from uh, Regina, Saskatoon, and back down through Swift Current and home, uh, I saw, you know, a lot of the canola crops were being harvested or were pretty ripe. There, although there is some chance of damage to some late maturing crops, you're seeing this mostly negligible, this frost. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm seeing it, you know, mostly negligible for, for the biggest part, uh, Jim, and, and, and I see it. And, you know, and even in some cases, uh, you know, with flax, uh, the, the frost is really what uh, flax needs to bring it into. Tell me a little bit about the harvest itself. How is it progressing? Well, actually, I think it's it's going pretty good. I'm sure our numbers are going to be up substantially here, uh, you know, when we get the report out later this week. Uh, I know we lost a couple of days here due to, you know, cloudy and some rainy weather in some parts of the province. And obviously the cool weather yesterday and uh, slowed some guys down that were in cereals. But uh, I know a couple of farmers that were going hard in canola, so uh, we did see, you know, obviously we're going to see the number up significantly. As we did uh, last week, I think you're going to see a big jump again. I know there is some challenges still in some parts of the province where they are getting rain and uh, just haven't been able to uh, do a whole lot of harvest yet. Hopefully it'll help keep the combine fires down. There were quite a few a week or so ago. Yeah, there was. Uh, you know, down in this area there's been a lot. I've talked to a lot of my neighbors and, uh, you know, they... They've had the fires, and uh, once again, it's it's the volunteer local the fire departments, the municipal, the RMs that have come with graders and things like that. But probably the biggest thing, Jim, is farmers helping farmers. Uh, you see, when there's smoke, there's farmers. They just stop what they're doing and they jump in their water trucks or whatever they're using uh, as their means of fire prevention, and they're heading over to these fires to just help the neighbors get them out. Uh, obviously, as dry as it is in many parts of the province, extremely dry here in the southwest. It can really get going if there's a wind behind it as well, Jim. So uh, I just, uh, my hat's off to the farmers and ranchers and the volunteer fire departments for really doing their jobs and uh, helping neighbors uh, out here in this time. 
Agriculture Minister David Merritt. Coming up, Merritt discusses the $64 million federal transfer pasture land swap. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. And the Canadian Canola Growers Association, helping farmers succeed. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. The federal and provincial government of Saskatchewan have made a $64 million pasture land swap. Environment Canada acquires 800 square kilometres of pasture in the southwest, the Govanlock, Nashlin and Battle Creek pastures. In return, the Saskatchewan government receives federal lands, fences and barns of equal value in 55 former federal community pastures, which have transitioned to producer control. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt says ranchers will continue to have long-term cattle grazing despite the transfer. Well, really what it was is this it was a you know negotiation that happened, you know, years ago with the federal government said the pastures were coming, you know, transferring back to the province and we worked with uh, the federal government on this. And uh, in in many of the pastures in you know in you know um, 40 some of the pastures there was there was federally owned land within some of those pastures. Some of them were just like a quarter section where they had buildings on and things like that, Jim. But in other pastures, it was, you know, thousands and thousands of acres. So what we did is, and, and this is really a lot of work on, on behalf of my ministry officials and the federal government, you know, sitting down working together and saying, okay, here's what, you know, here's what you have in your category. Here's what we have. How do we make this work? And, and you know, it came out around that $64 million valued assessed with, with the federal government and all these other pastures. So then what we did is we put a block together, and that's where the three pastures uh, in the southwest have uh, transferred to the federal government and uh, of equal value, and then each party would be paying their uh, their transfer fees on, on titles. The bottom line here is the ranchers, though, still will be able to put their cattle on that land, even though it's being transferred to the federal government. That is the most important thing, and Jim, uh, I do want to uh, really commend all parties, both the federal, provincial officials for their hard work on, on this over the past few years. But first and foremost, the pastor and patron groups. The Govan Lock, uh, Naslin, Battle Creek folks did an amazing job. Obviously, there was differences on both sides. And I, uh, you know, I sat in on, on a couple of those and, uh, and heard them firsthand. But uh, we saw a give and take from both sides with, a, with an agreement coming forward, signed by, by all parties. And, and we announced it, and the patrons, as I've always maintained and will always maintain, that the pasture patrons know what's best for those pastures to protect their, the environment, to protect the native grass, to uh, protect the uh, species at risk. And one other thing, Jim, that people don't talk about is really protect water quality as well, uh, which is important not only to the cattle industry, to these folks and their livelihood, but also to the wildlife as well. So it's really, uh, it really is a, it's a, it's a good day. Uh, obviously, it did come with some challenges that were met by everybody and give and take on both sides, as I said. But uh, at the end of the day, we've got an agreement, and the patrons have a 15-year lease on those pastures where they can continue on with their livelihood and hopefully for generations to come, where they can raise cattle on these uh, pastures, which we have proven are the best custodians of the of the native grass is the cattle themselves. But I understand there is some indigenous people involvement in this. Yeah, there. Yeah, they're, they were involved in a lot of the transfers and things like that. And it was all uh, all done respectful of of all the processes, and uh, the due diligence was done, and the and the transfer of these pastures are going to the federal government to the Ministry of Environment, and uh, and their concerns around that, and they worked with the patrons, 
and have recognized uh, from both sides the importance of working together and collaborating, and that's uh, a milestone in itself. Agriculture Minister David Merritt. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio, and I'm joined right now by the new Shadow Minister for Agriculture and Agri-Food. It is Leanne Rood. She's an MP from Lambton, Kent, Middlesex in Ontario. Leanne, how are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing great, thanks. Give us some of your background. I grew up on a vegetable farm in southern Ontario where we farmed about a thousand acres of potatoes and uh, so I have a background in agriculture growing up on the farm. I also had the opportunity to work with David Anderson from Saskatchewan in his role as parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Agriculture under Stephen Harper's government. So I spent a few years with David Anderson in uh, Agriculture Minister Jerry Ritz's office under Stephen Harper. So I'm not new to agriculture or to the ag files here in Ottawa. Uh, I'm just new to being the shadow minister, but I was previously serving as deputy shadow minister for agriculture before today. New leader, Aaron O'Toole is now the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, You're new in this role of shadow minister for agriculture. Can we expect any changes in the agricultural policy under O'Toole versus uh, the former leader, Andrew Scheer? Well, I think that's too early to say right now, uh, Sean. We've just got our assignments today, and I think in the coming weeks we'll be able to talk a little bit more in depth about policy and where we see things going. But for for right now, we're just trying to get our feet wet and uh, get into dive into the portfolio a little bit further here. Over the weekend, Mr. O'Toole released a video talking about, you know, I think really trying to appeal to blue-collar working Canadians. He mentions energy workers, and he mentions auto workers. He, he didn't mention farmers, but I don't, that was definitely not any sort of a slight in, in any stretch of the imagination. But what he did talk about was poor trade deals signed by the current Liberal government, and he mentions the U.S. and trade deals with countries like China. Uh, can you shed any light on what particularly, outside of the dairy issue, I guess, what particularly is wrong with the current USMCA or Kuzma agreement? Well, you know, I, we have heard previously from some of the folks in the dairy sector uh, with regard to Kuzma, but I'm, I'm not going to comment on that right at this point right now. I think that that's something that we can talk about in the future and once we've had a chance to go over things with the new Shadow Minister of Trade as well. But I know that trade is definitely at the forefront and it's important to our producers and it's important to the industry across the board. There's a lot of talk about China. Uh, I think Mr. O'Toole has promised to be somewhat tougher, uh, however you want to define that. Everybody has a different definition of tougher. Uh, with, ch- with China, I'm sure that you will be reminding uh, the leader in, in the inner circle about how important trade with China is to the, f- the farmers across Canada. How do you, how do you balance all that? That's a great question, and I think that we'll see, you know, our leader will will be talking about that a little bit more in the future. But, of course, China has been a big market for a lot of commodities in agriculture, and we're, we need to find markets and have good relationships with trading partners to get our, you know, world-class products to people around the world, including China. We had the NDP critic for agriculture and rural economic affairs, uh, Alistair McGregor, on the show last week. 
I was struck by how similar some of the things that he was saying, how, how similar that was to some of the conservative messaging on what needs to happen, particularly around business risk management and the agri stability reform. We've got a first minister's meeting coming up uh, very, very quickly here in October. Uh, you're going to be getting your uh, feet wet here very, very quickly on that issue. Absolutely. And, you know, our agriculture committee did do a study uh, with regard to, you know, the changes that that industry wants to see to the business risk management programs. And unfortunately, because uh, the prime minister prorogued parliament, we didn't get to get to the report uh, and finalize the report from all of the information from the witnesses that we received, which is really unfortunate because we were looking forward to finalizing that report and presenting it to uh, Minister Bebo's office ahead of these provincial territorial uh, meetings happening in October. Uh, but we, we did get some good feedback from industry representatives, and I think that there is a clear consensus across the board that there are reforms that need to be made. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. The official 620 CKRM Farm Weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Watrous, New Holland working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather, sunny sky, wind west 20, gusting to 40, and a high today, 21 degrees. The low, plus 5. Tomorrow, sunny, high 25 on Thursday with a low of 6. Friday, sunny, the high 25, the low 10. Saturday, sunny and a high of 16, the low plus 1. Sunday, sunny, the high 20, the low 7. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 23, the low 7. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high near 15 degrees. Normal high for this date is 19, the normal low is 5. The sun rose at 625 this morning, it sets at 726 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Regina is the hot spot. In Saskatchewan, tied with Valmarie at 18 degrees. Collins Bay is the cold spot up north, 9 degrees. Estevan, 17. Saskatoon, Swift Current, Weyburn, all 16. Yorkton is 15 degrees. In Regina, sunny and 18, that's 64 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest, 18 gusting to 31. Humidity, 41%. The barometer dropping, 102.3. Sunny in Moose Jaw, 18 degrees. Winds are from the west-northwest, 24 gusting to 37. Once again, Regina, sunny and 18, that's 64 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com Farm Credit Canada has awarded a total of $1.5 million to 92 community projects across Canada. FCC Manager of Community Investment, Carla Warnica of Regina, says the AgriSpirit Fund is designed to support community enhancement projects. The AgriSpirit Fund is about our commitment to, to rural communities and to Canadian agriculture. We really want to keep our rural communities vibrant places where people want to live and work. So every year we put out the FCC AgriSpirit Fund and we do a call for applications for people to apply for those great projects that are happening in rural communities across the country. What type of projects qualify for this support? They really run the gamut. They're capital projects, but they run the gamut from, you know, fire and rescue equipment to um, things that are making maybe community rinks more energy efficient to playgrounds. They're all over the place. We've got a, quite a few that we've supported this year, 92 in total across the country, actually. 
outline some of the projects supported in Saskatchewan. Sure. Um, we did 12 in Saskatchewan this year. A few examples of those are we purchased LED lights for Rink in Cornac. We've also provided funding to purchase new windows and upgrade plumbing and electrical in the Melville Food Bank. And in Edgeley, we're uh, helping provide, we're giving money to help them do a solar power system in their community centre. What's the maximum support? You can get up to $25,000 from the fund. When does the period for applying open up? You can apply again in March of 2021. So in the spring, we'll be open for the whole month of March. So people have lots of time to put those applications in. So we really encourage people to go to the website and take a look at the eligibility guidelines and see if their project would be eligible for funding because we would love as many applications as possible. This is basically rural community support right across Canada. It sure is. Yeah, we're really looking to support rural Canada. We want to keep those rural communities vibrant, and we know there's only so much funding available, so we really focus on agriculture and rural Canada with our funding. So you can go to www.fccagrispiritfund.ca and take a look for all the eligibility guidelines and everything you need probably will be on the site. Now, you also use the Agrispirit Fund to help support cities like Regina as well. Well, actually, no. The Agri-Spirit Fund is just for rural communities. We do have something called the FCC Regina Spirit Fund, where we support projects in, in Regina because we have such a large large group of us living and working in the community, so we support Regina as well. We really focus our funding on rural communities. The vast majority of what we do is in the areas of supporting rural Canada, you know, community enhancement projects in smaller communities, at least under 150,000, oftentimes much smaller than that. And of course, also, you know, in the areas of hunger, egg safety and egg education, you know, being a a big part of the agriculture community, it's important for us to focus our our funding and our help in those spaces. Uh, You know, if you're looking for more information, we encourage everyone to go to www.fccagrispiritfund.ca to get information on when it's open again, eligibility guidelines, and we really encourage people to apply. Carla Warnica is the Manager of Community Investment at FCC in Regina. Just over 5 million metric tons of grain has been moved through the port of Thunder Bay during the 2020 shipping season. That's 27% above the volumes moved during the same period last year. Thunder Bay Port Chief Executive Officer Tim Henney is projecting this year's grain shipments to narrow in the in on the 10 million ton mark. If that occurs, it would be Thunder Bay's highest volume handled in a single year since 1997. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. The two countries have major political differences, but China is expanding purchases of U.S. farm products. Gary Crawford reports. The latest official numbers we have are for the first 10 months of this 2020 fiscal year, October through July, and USDA economist Bart Kenner says sales to China compared to the same time frame in fiscal 2019 are considerably higher. Soybeans are up 24% at $4.6 billion. Pork is up 429% at $1.6 billion. Cotton is up 50% at $1 billion. Now, of course, we get news of sales as they come in, and USDA Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekanowski says that of late... China has been a regular buyer, especially of soybeans, over the past several weeks, and, and they've also made some pretty large corn purchases lately. It's been supporting prices. On Tuesday, USDA announcing deals that would have China buy well over 101,000 tons of corn and 664,000 tons of soybeans, biggest single-day soybean sale in about seven weeks. That's reporter Gary Crawford from the USDA. A horse was shot on a rural property near the village of Senlac on Sunday. 
Unity RCMP attended the scene after the animal's owner called in to report someone who shot the horse. RCMP confirmed the horse was wounded on private land. RCMP do not have any suspects at this time, but do believe illegal hunting was a factor. Anyone with information on the incident is asked to contact Unity, Macklin or Wilkie RCMP or Crime Stoppers. RCMP is also asking residents to report any suspicious people or vehicles that may be trespassing on private land or hunting out of season. Senlac is about 500 kilometers northwest of Regina, near the Alberta border. The Agriculture Ministry has some tips for producers in Saskatchewan to ensure they have adequate winter feed supplies. Travis Pearden is the Livestock Specialist for the Ministry of Agriculture in Outlook. Taking some time to make management decisions now can have a positive effect on your bottom line. Feed inventory should be counted and analyzed for quality. This ensures in advance that forage on hand meets nutritional requirements and that there is enough for the upcoming winter. As a rule, when determining quantity required, mature beef cows will consume 2.25% to 2.5% of their weight each day. This equates to a 1,400-pound cow eating up to 35 pounds of forage each day. Don't forget to count for waste and also extra feed during cold stretches. Quality is just as important as quantity for winter feeding. Feed testing is often overlooked by cattle producers, but is an important first step in planning for the winter feeding season. Knowing the quality of available feeds is necessary to meet nutritional requirements and will ensure that cattle come through the winter in good condition and are ready to rebreed the following summer. Feed testing will identify which feeds should be used before and during calving and can also identify if additional high-quality sources of energy and protein will be required to be purchased. If a supplement is required, finding it early on can save time, money and stress as winter feeding approaches. Protein requirements of mature beef cattle range from 7% in the fall to 9% in calving. Total digestible nutrients or energy levels range from 55% after weaning and go up to 65% in calving. If green feed is used in your winter ration, be sure to test for nitrates. Nitrates can accumulate in years when plants are faced with drought stress, early frost, or hail damage. Feed is considered safe if it contains less than a half a percent of nitrates on a dry matter basis. When levels exceed this threshold, it is important to work with a nutritionist to properly dilute feed so nitrates are at safe levels. Timing of weaning is another consideration for producers. A lack of moisture in the second half of the summer has put many pastures in less than ideal conditions. Weaning calves early will significantly reduce the nutrient requirements of the mother cow as she will no longer be putting energy into lactation. This will allow her to maintain her increased body condition before winter. Creep feeding calves could also be considered as a way to increase calf performance and reduce the impact of limited forages in pastures. A small time and financial investment now can save you money in the long run. Whether this means using feed resources more efficiently, reducing stress on your pastures, or bringing cows through the winter in better body condition. Planning ahead for the winter months can ensure that you, your livestock, are more productive and profitable this year. For more information on this or other related topics, please contact your local Saskatchewan Agriculture Regional Office. I'm Travis Pearden and this has been the Saskatchewan Agriculture Report. Back in a moment. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboy and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading this morning at Viterra. Canola rose 80 cents at 461.27. Number one red spring wheat fell 7 cents at 219.25. The rest unchanged. Durham, 273.73. Feed barley, 173.70. Flax, 552.85. Lentils, 550.50. Oats, 173.53. Yellow peas, 248.89. And feed wheat, 166.16. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures gained 2 cents at 538 and a quarter cent a bushel. 
The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. Hello, Calvin. Junior for Heartland Livestock, Yorkton, with your market report for the week of September 9th. A nice run on offer here today with 1,150 head in our pre-sort and 275 head in our regular sale. Producers, this is just a reminder that our market reports will be coming out on the radio airwaves on Thursdays at noon from now on. We're doing this so we can give you, the producers, a true and accurate market report. Once again, our pre-sort season has begun and our sales are starting to fill up. So please give us a call and book your cattle early to avoid disappointment. Once again, this has been Junior for HLS Yorkton, and we will be talking to you tomorrow. Thank you, and have a great day. Coming up, the Resource Report.